Welcome to the Unite Church podcast. For more information about Unite Church, visit unitechurchak.org. Now enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. So, hey, happy PFD uh, week, right? Praise the Lord. Mostly, except for two-thirds of your PFD was robbed by the federal government. Vote differently, folks. Vote people out, please. And vote people in that will actually protect the laws. Like, they're just violating the law and your personal rights. No big deal, right? (sighs) All right. But no matter what, it's all still increased. And we're going to thank God and we're going to honor God with the first fruits of all of our wealth because it all belongs to the Lord. Amen? So we see in Leviticus 27.30 says, All the tithe, which is 10%, the first fruits of your increase, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree is the Lord's and it's holy. Remember the tithe belongs to him and it's holy. And he asks us in Malachi 3.8 what to do with it. Tells us very simply, tells us that keeping the tithe to ourselves is robbing God and leaves us exposed to the enemies, devouring our resources, but bringing the tithe that is sacred and holy and belongs to God or to him by giving it to his temple or his church, um, this, now the resources become under his protection and the Lord will then bless them and give them increase. That's what Malachi says. That's Josh's uh, reversion of it, like explaining it, okay? So I just want to encourage you that every single bit of increase that comes into your home, you understand and see that it's holy and it belongs to the Lord. Let him bless it. I gave this a little example of what it looks like is that if your boss wrote you a check, Okay, so you go to work and your boss writes you a check and he says, hey, that's yours. And then he writes you a he writes a second check and he says, hey, this is 10%. This is mine. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you my deposit. I want you to take my deposit and go take it to my bank, which is his church. And if you took some of that and didn't deposit the whole amount, you think you'd still have a job? No, this is what God is telling us. You're a courier. And, and when you, we are faithful with what belongs to God, then he blesses what he entrusts with you. Are you with me? And he gives it great increase. In fact, he also protects it. So let's be a church. And guys, I'm telling you, our church, since I've been teaching on giving, like y'all are catching the faith. You guys are all catching the wave of giving. And there are testimonies exploding around our church of God's faithfulness. I mean, in the tens of thousands of dollars of increase for people in the church, let alone is the church, the, 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 the offerings and the tithe in the church, like uh, God's blessing our church as a, as a team, right? Which gives us more, the, the greater ability to disciple more people and lead more people to Christ. And that is our mission here on earth, is to not store up our treasures in, on earth, but store them up in heaven. Amen. So great job, everybody. Let's pray. We're going to pray real quick. God, we just thank you for the gift of the ability to work in freedom in America And Lord, we thank you for the ability to prosper. Lord, no human being and no generation has ever prospered more than we prosper now because of your great grace and your love. We're thankful for that. And we thank you for all the provisions we have. And Lord, we entrust our finances, our life, our family, our children, all of that to you, Lord. We thank you that God, as we are faithful with what you've entrusted to us with our tithes and our offerings and all of our resources, Lord, you're faithful back to us. You would never, ever make a mistake. You never forget your kids. And God, we thank you for the increase and the blessing and the favor that's upon us 
as individuals and collectively as a church. Lord, we pray right now that as we sow and we give faithfully, Lord, souls will come into your kingdom. We're believing you for a doubling of this church in salvations that are discipled and that become powerful disciple-ers, Lord, in Jesus' name. We honor you today. God, bless the word. Bless the time that we're just seeking your face. We pray that we'll be transformed by the power and renewing of our mind as we hear your word and believe what your word says. Let it change us and shape us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so keep giving, guys. You're doing a great job. It's an exciting time to be alive. Yeah? Pack <clears throat> Pastor, Pastor Marcus did a really good job last week, didn't he? I'm glad you guys got to meet him. If you didn't hear that message, you should go back and listen to it. Uh, it was pretty challenging about purity and about sexual purity, and that's what uh, uh, 1 Thessalonians 4 covers. And then it goes on to talk about holy living, and that's where we're going to catch up and move on from there today. So we're going to go 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, verse 7. God called us to live holy lives not impure lives. Now, Pastor Marcus said something last week that was really good, is that if we believe that the word of God is just nice to do's, then this does not have the same impact as if we believed it was the very word of God, the ultimate authority on the planet. And when God speaks through his word, that it is absolute, and then if we do or don't do this, it is life or death. That if we do or don't do this, it is blessing or fall out of blessing or curse, right? Like if we don't believe what the word says and believe it's the ultimate authority on earth and it is perfect, then we're going to treat it differently, just like nice to do's in a social club. But I'm telling you, the Bible says that the word of God is alive and active, and it cuts to bone and marrow. It actually divides your spirit. And it divides your spirit from your flesh, from your fleshly desires. And when we obey the word of truth, it's for our benefit. The word is always there to empower us to move towards righteousness for our benefit. Isn't that a good gift? It's a great gift from the Lord. And, and I want to encourage you that we see the word of God when we read these words we don't read them like nice to-dos, but we read them like, holy smokes, I must do this to please God. I must do this to live right, and I must do this to experience the favor and blessing of the Lord. And I'm going to prove it to you today, all right? It's so deep in this passage, and, and I'm going to bring in another one from Galatians just to drive the point home, because it's good to do that. Why use a hammer when you can just jackhammer, right? Uh, that's basically what we're going to do today. So, all right, so verse 7, let's read this one more time, and let's let this sink in. This is, the very, this is the ultimate authority in our lives. The Lord Jesus himself, he is the living word, says, God has called you, called us as individuals. So when I think about you as an individual, God has called me to a holy life, to live holy, not impure life. Therefore, anyone who refuses to live by these rules, they're like, I don't like rules. If you think there are not rules because you're in grace in the new covenant, you're wrong. We're reading the New Testament. This is Paul. Paul wrote almost the whole New Testament. He wrote two-thirds of it. And he says, no, if you don't live by these rules, you're not disobeying human teaching. You're not disobeying the social club. It's rejecting God. These are strong words. You're not just rejecting kind of the way God thinks you ought to live. 
No, you're literally rejecting him. It's personal. Who gives his Holy Spirit to you. So let's unpack this just a little bit. So we're not disobeying just good ideas. We're disobeying the Lord. Why is this? Well, it's because God cannot separate his instructions about righteousness from his nature of who he is as holy and righteous. So because God's instructions guide us to live in the conform, and to be conformed into the likeness of his nature. And Romans 8 says that actually we were predestined to be made into this image. And all of the scripture and, and the Holy Spirit himself is working to help us actually be transformed, conformed, formed into from the inside out, really, into the likeness of Jesus. So God's nature is in alignment with his instruction. So when God says, live this way, don't live this way, he's saying, my nature is this way, it's not this way. Then he comes as a human being and lives a perfect life and gives his own life up, Jesus, this is Jesus who did this for us, right? And dies for all of your sin, all of our sin, to cover it all so you'll be set free from the punishment of your failure. Pretty big deal. And he says, I gotta go so that you can receive the Holy Spirit who can be with each and every one of you wherever you're at all the time. And the Bible says that no longer will the law be written on tablets of stone, but rather on the hearts of those who believe. Believers. So when we believe, all of a sudden God takes the great instructor, all of the law, his perfect nature, and he puts it inside of us. And the Bible in Romans uses this big word that's called imputed righteousness. Now it's in some of the older versions of the Bible, but it is actually what this word means to be indwelled with perfect righteousness. It's like God's perfect righteousness is all full and complete in the Holy Spirit. And it comes and it's given to you in its perfection now is living inside of you with the great instructor living inside you, which is pretty dope. God is not a, God's not a fool. He isn't messing around. This isn't like, oh, plan B, plan C, we'll see what we can do and figure it out. This is a very meticulous plan for each one of us to be able to and be empowered to live in righteousness. So when he says, hey, I'm gonna give you, I'm, I'm telling you, live in holiness. And if we refuse to do that, and we refuse to live according to his law, not only the law written on the stone tablets, but the law that's inside of each one of us that is written on our heart by the Holy Spirit. And we say, nah, I'm gonna just do whatever I want. Jesus is the fun police. Come on, y'all. When we believe that Jesus is the fun police or the laws of God are the fun police, oh, they're just trying to cut out all my fun. Not true. That's a lie from the enemy. They're trying to keep you from death and lead you to life. And I'm just going to tell you this. Be at least as smart as the little sloth, Sid the sloth from Ice Age, okay? You don't have to be any smarter than Sid the sloth from Ice Age. He's like, I choose life, right? <laughs> when he's hanging inside the mouth of the saber-toothed tiger, he's like, he's like, do you want to live or die? He goes, I choose life, you know? <laughs> Just at least be that smart. <laughs> Sin, death. 
Righteousness life. God is not trying to keep you from fun. I'm telling you that life is more fun than death. Holy smokes. But we don't want, we don't think that, do we? We're like, no, 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 no. You're keeping me from the pate. No, he's not keeping you from the pate. He's keeping you and I from death from heartache, from struggle, and he's leading us into anointing and blessing and favor and power. And, and, and we get to see our friends walk in that, which is the greatest reward, is when people around us are struggling and hurting and lost and broken and their lives come together and back alive. Dude, what's more awesome than that? I tell you what, when your kids start serving the Lord, when your friends start serving the Lord, when your mom and dad start serving Jesus, that's when your life comes on. That's when it's worth it. That is the best party you're ever going to have. And I tell you, that party goes on and on and on in heaven. You ain't party like you're going to party in heaven, guys. It's going to be good. It's going to be really, really good. So, life, okay? life. But I want to get this. This is in the Bible. Let's read it one more time before we move on. We're just going to go verse nine or verse eight. These rules, okay, refusing to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching. It's rejecting God. We're rejecting the nature of God who gives us the Holy Spirit. Like he gave you himself. God himself comes to indwell each and every one of us. Verse nine, but we don't need to write about the importance of loving each other for God himself has taught you. What? God not only gives you instruction, law, he fills you with the power of the Holy Spirit to live righteous and he's also your teacher. He's better than your homeschool mom, kids. Come on. He shows up, God himself shows up to instruct his people. I promise you, there's no other God like that. No other God will take the time to instruct his people. He doesn't want to set you up for some big failure. He's giving you every opportunity, the means, the power, the instruction, and the instruction, the personal tutor, personal discipleship on how to live righteous and holy and right before him so you can live, so you can party. God himself taught you to love one another. Indeed, you already show your love for all the believers throughout Macedonia. Even so, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you to love them even more. You learn how to love some, that's cool. Let's flip and turn up the heat and do it more and more and more. So let's just talk a little bit about two really important terms, two important things. One is called grace. Have you guys ever heard of grace? Yeah, of course you have. All you've been around for a while, grace. The Bible says that grace in the Old Testament really defines grace in the Hebrew. It's really specific about unmerited or unearned favor. In the Greek, it has a little bit of a, uh, it, it includes that unmerited favor, which is in the New Testament, when it starts talking about the grace of God around the Holy Spirit, it talks about it with an added boost. It's still unmerited and unearned favor, but that favor is now as it, it defined as the very power of the Holy Spirit living in and through you. It, it's always been that, but because 
when Jesus left, he gave us access to the Holy of Holies and he gave us the ability to be fully indwelled. He changed the temple's Holy of Holy location. He moved it from a physical temple to an earthly temple and that's inside of all who believe. So that veil, if you, if you guys just going fast here, but there was a veil that was torn when Jesus uh, died that, that separated all of the people from the presence of God. And that was the Holy of Holies where the very, they called it the Shekinah glory, the manifest presence of God would show up. And when Jesus died, he tore that in half and then he allowed the Holy Spirit, he sent the Holy Spirit inside of each and every one who believes. And now it's that grace that is now indwelling in your temple, showing up to empower you to live. Grace, and Pastor Marcus said this last week, never empowers anything but righteousness. Great Grace is only the empowerment. The Holy Spirit is God. Father, Son, and remember... Holy Spirit, you're like, some people are like, I don't want to believe in the Holy Spirit. Well, you don't want to believe in God. That's kind of, kind of like rejecting him. Did you, be careful about your criticism of the Holy Spirit, okay? Now, people are weird. We all know that. But the Holy Spirit is God. Right? Okay. So weird, don't judge the Holy Spirit based on weird people. Like, don't judge the Holy Spirit based on me, okay? Because I'm weird. But I love the Holy Spirit. And we need to be indwelled by him. But when we worship him, all of a sudden we get access to his power. But what happens is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, it's, if, if the Holy Spirit is God, guess whose nature he has? God's nature. When you read the whole law of righteousness and what right and wrong behavior is, guess what the Holy Spirit looks like? Perfect righteousness. So the only thing the nature of God can empower with his grace, with his power, is his nature. So the only thing grace is empowering in your life is the ability to do and live the will and work of the Holy One himself. It only empowers holy living. Are you guys with me? Does that make sense? So when people say, oh, that grace, they're just too much grace in that church. Oh my gosh, they just love the grace to just do whatever. Grace doesn't allow you to do whatever. Grace only empowers you to do the will and the power of God. It doesn't empower you to do anything but that. So when you sin, no grace. Grace doesn't cover sin. It doesn't. Mercy, you're so smart. That's why I married you. Well, you're beautiful too. I married you for a lot of reasons. She kind of sucked me in with those eyes, right? Mercy is the second thing that we have to understand. Mercy is actually the love of God that covers and washes away the sin. And it's the mercy of God that sets us free from the punishment of our sin, which leads to death. It isn't the grace. The grace empowers us to right and godly living. And the mercy covers us from sin. And it's both things that God possesses. So when we're not punished for sin that we do, it's because of the mercy of God. And we all go, praise the Lord. Or we all be in serious trouble. If you're not covered by the blood of Jesus, you're in serious trouble. I'm telling you today, you're in serious trouble. You need Jesus. You need the mercy of God to cover your sin. Or you will stand before him and have to give account all on your own. 
and you can't. And we all need Jesus. The grace of God empowers right living. The mercy of God forgives us for not right living. I know that's not perfect English, but helps me remember it. Grace of God empowers right living. The mercy of God, it covers my not right living. Sin, this is the other part of this, always leads to death. Never does it lead to anything else. Even if it, like, it looks like it's leading to life. You're like, oh, I'm going to go sleep around with lots of people because I feel like I'm going to learn like, what I want to be like you know, and what I like and what I don't like. Try out my 31 flavors or whatever it is. That leads to death, folks. It just leads to death. All kinds of trouble and problems. And I'm not judging anybody because we all fall for all kinds of lies and traps. Jealousy, same thing. Right? Anxiety, fear, same thing. Oh, I'm just going to keep worrying. I'm going to be jealous. I'm going to complain. Hello, complainers in the house. I'm just going to whine and complain about everything. Leads to death. Broken relationships. Just complain about your, your husband for like uh, 10 years. See how good that works out. Come on, complain about your wife for, for 10 years. See how good that blesses your marriage. No, this doesn't bless your marriages, guys. This doesn't bless our lives. Steal, cheat, take advantage of other people. Don't keep your word. Be late to everything. Guys, that stuff all catches up to us. All of that stuff is not right living. Great, the mercy of God covers all of that. But there's another principle at play because sin always leads to death. Sin is always poison, no matter how deceived we are about it. And we have to trust the scripture, not the social club. The social club wants to say like, oh, you can do anything you want. Choose whatever sexual preference you want. Choose whatever identity you want. Lies, 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 y'all. You're made. You don't get to unmake yourself. Y'all, you were made in your identity. And God happened to decide that's male and female. And, and, and I get that we all get confused about all kinds of stuff. But you can't unmake yourself. And try to make yourself into something else. You have to accept that there are broken parts of you that want things that aren't good for you. You are not what you desire. If we think, if we are what we desire, we're done for. Holy smokes, I'd be everything. I'd be all kinds of stuff. Sometimes I really want hot dogs. I'd be 450 pounds if I just decided I'm a hot dog. I'd look like a hot dog. I'd be a big, huge, fat reindeer sausage, and it would not be pretty. <laughs> Just saying. Sin leads to death, but there is something that governs both of these things in the new covenant, and we're just going to talk about this, okay? Is what governs both of these things, grace and mercy and the covering of our sin, okay, is the law of sowing and reaping. So in the new covenant, there's this very simple law for us all to figure this all out. It's the law of sowing and reaping. It governs the principles of grace and sin. So God himself, remember, he taught us. He teaches us how to love. You want to know how to love? Ask the teacher. He gave you the great instructor, the helper, the great helper, the Holy Spirit to live inside of you. And he gave you the law that you can read and, 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 and discover who he is. 
God is trying to help you figure this out, all right? So let's shift to Galatians real quick. And we're gonna, we're gonna let the Bible tell us. So we're reading the word and we're gonna let the word confirm the word. This is actually a really good way to learn. It's not just make up more stuff about things and I can tell you cool stories and all that stuff, but let's let the Bible teach us about the Bible. Let's let the word of God teach us about the word of God. Well, here we go. So we're gonna read more scripture. Good thing you showed up to church. <laughs> Galatians 5, 13. So we're gonna read a little bit and then we're gonna just break it down as we go. So stay with me, all right. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Isn't that awesome? But freedom, right? Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Here's where we're talking about mercy and grace again. You're set free to live life and holiness so you don't have to do all this stuff to be holy. You just get to be free and go be holy, go be righteous, go be awesome. But don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. The mercy of God has covered your flesh and all of his desires and all the junk it wants to do. Rather than serve your flesh and do whatever it wants to do, serve one another humbly in love. Whew. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. So just pause for a second. Whenever the New Testament talks about obeying the law, this is the law it's talking about. This is the new covenant law. Love. And Jesus said himself, all of the law is summed up into two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and what? Love your neighbor. So all the laws about interacting with people all come into play in the law of loving your neighbor with God's love, which comes from what? Grace, good job. Rick Rogers, proud of you, buddy. It comes from love. So the way we talk to our spouses, about our spouses, to them, or when no one's around, is it violating the law of love? Hey, feel guilty. Do it. Think about the worst things you've said to your spouse. That's cool. You don't have a spouse? Think about the worst things you said to your mama, bud. Come on. <laughs> I got your back, homie. I got you, guys. <laughs> Dude, you get interactive, buddy. I am in your grill, son. Uh, it's going to be fun. It's about to get real fun. You and me in your hat. I want you to think about it. Just take a moment, okay? Just close your eyes for a second. I want you to think about the worst thing you said to your spouse. Maybe you don't, maybe it's a former spouse, right? Okay, it's okay. I want you to think about the worst thing you said to your mama. Shouldn't have said that. It was wrong. Feel guilty. Do you know guilt is a gift? Do we like its feeling? No. It's a gift. Because it tells us when we've sinned. And sin is poison. If you're drinking poison, wouldn't it be good to know? I'm just saying, it's kind of smart. Ask the Lord when you're drinking poison. So let's ask him, Lord, come on, say this, Lord, where have I sinned? Against my closest loved ones. Okay, now you don't tell nobody, but you and Jesus, but you ought to feel guilty right now. 
You should feel some shame. <laughs> yeah, you're right. God bless you, Pastor. Okay. You ought to feel some shame. And that's good too. I feel guilty for the things I've done wrong. I feel shame because it was less than what God's perfection was. And that's normal. Now, we're not going to wallow in that because that doesn't define my value. Who, what's, what defines my value? What Jesus says about me and what Jesus did for me. So am I forgiven for this sin? Yeah, I am before the Lord, but have I made it right with my spouse? Probably not. Maybe so. But if you're feeling guilty about it right now, it's probably the one that you haven't said you're sorry for yet or worked out. Or maybe it's not finished. Because sometimes it takes a long time because some harms are greater than others and it takes years to work them out because we keep feeling hurt by them. So, Lord, forgive me, I'm sorry. That was not living holy life that's empowered by your grace. Lord, I wanna live a holy life that's empowered by your grace. I don't wanna just indulge in freedom and, that my, and just live however my flesh wants to, and that's rejecting you and your nature. God, I don't wanna do that. Rather, Lord, I wanna serve humbly and love one another. I wanna fulfill the law of love, which is empowered by the grace of God. Come on. Lord, will you do that in my life? Verse 15, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you're going to be destroyed. Sin leads to death. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So if you and I want to live holy, we have to follow the Holy One. It was just like... Uh, uh, Pastor Alexa was saying today when she was giving the testimony of her son, he like started walking out his faith. And if you're following the Lord step by step, guess what? You're following the spirit. And if you don't hear his voice yet, read the word and do what it says. That is the voice of God. It's a great way to start. Then you'll start hearing his voice internally. Lord, is this love? This is a great way to hear the voice of, voice of the Holy Spirit. When you're about to do something, Lord, is this loving? Then go with what you feel the Holy Spirit says, yes or no. No, that's probably not loving. You're like, well, I don't understand, but I'm not doing it because it's not loving. Lord, what's loving right now? And he'll give you an idea. I promise the Holy Spirit will tell you what is loving because it said right here in Thessalonians, he's the love doctor. He, is the doc he has a doctorate in love. He is the greatest professor of love. And he wants, to, he wants to tutor you, teach you, teach all of us on how to love. And he doesn't want to teach you how to live out your flesh and do whatever the flip you want. He wants to teach you how to live in love and love people around you and, 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 and share his love so that people can encounter him. Walk by the Spirit. We're going to listen to the Holy Spirit and follow him. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. So it, it, you, you and I, we need to learn. If we want to live in holiness, we need to learn what our flesh wants. Power, lust, uh, it wants to be gratified, it wants food, it wants to be satisfied all the time. It has needs that satisfy temporarily. We got to know what the Spirit desires, to please God, to live holy, to do what's righteous. These two things are at war. It says they're in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. Did you see this? I'm going to zoom in on this. Verse 17, you're not to do whatever you want. You see that's in the Bible? Everybody reads that? Everybody sees that? When you get saved, you are bound to the Lord. 
Y'all, we can't just do whatever we want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're also not under the law. Isn't that great? So you're led by the Spirit into freedom, and you don't have to fulfill all this law and all this junk. And to be righteous, you're made righteous, which is also cool. And people get confused about these two things. Grace doesn't lead to the law. It's the fulfillment of the law. It's the ability to live in perfect righteousness. Verse 19, the act of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft. Hatred, these are ones we can really understand. Discord, jealousy, fits of rage. Can we see that? Your anger, I promise you, 99.99% of the time is not righteous. And we a lot of times go, that's righteous anger. You made me do this because you suck. Well, maybe actually you suck and you're doing a fit of rage and it's in your flesh and you haven't distinguished between the Holy Spirit and your flesh yet. Selfish ambition, do it just for me. Dissensions, factions, okay? So like division in the body of Christ, always bad and wrong. Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. I believe this means not that you won't be saved. It's that you won't live in what it says, which is in the next verse. Life in the kingdom of God, which is the fruit of the spirit. You're not gonna live in love, joy. You're not gonna have joy. You're not gonna have peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You're gonna miss out on the joys and the benefits of the kingdom of God here on earth. And y'all probably gonna get a pretty good spanking when you get to heaven. Because everybody's gonna stand before God and give account. And some are coming in as if just barely you know, making it. That's not, I don't want that to be me. Those who belong to Christ, against such things there is no law. Verse 24, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited and provoking one another. So when we live by the Spirit, we gotta keep up. Keep pace with him. He's in movement and so ought we be in movement, okay? He's moving and we're moving. Verse, uh, chapter six, verse one. And here comes the law that governs the principles, okay? It governs how we ought to live in grace and sin. Brothers and sisters, some, when someone is caught in sin, and this really means to be caught up, not gotcha. It does mean gotcha a little bit, but it really means when we see them entangled in the thorns of sin, we're not like, gotcha! That's not y'all's job, okay? None of our job is, got ya. It's, oh shoot, my friend is caught in sin. He's entrapped and entangled in sin. And that triggers mercy and compassion. Oh no, I could be right where he's at. We should restore that person gently. Not expose that person violently, publicly. Love covers a multitude of sin. Does not cover up and say it never happened, but it covers. So we're gonna protect one another while we help free one another. But then it gives us a warning. Be careful, right? Watch out yourselves or you will also be tempted. Y'all, we're not designed to live around and in the culture of sin. And we've immersed ourselves in the culture of sin primarily through media. I'm probably as guilty as all of you guys. The more time we spend 
immersed in media and its thoughts and everything it tells us. We're immersing ourselves in its thoughts, ideals, ideologies, and we kind of go, oh yeah, that's kind of right. No, that's not right. That's messed up. And we're going to easily get entangled into the sin ourselves. And this, especially if you want to listen to the, the entrapment we were talking about around sexual sin last week, really, really bad. Like, the entrapment of saying that pornography is okay, guys, is not okay. It is adultery. It is brokenness. It is death to our marriages. And it creates an arousal template that keeps us from even desiring our own spouses. And this is a serious problem with young adults that are growing up right now. They're not even hardly attracted to the real thing anymore. Big problem. Sin leads to death, guys. It has serious consequences. But we gotta be careful we don't get entrapped in the same thing. If you start gotcha in people, gotcha, you're getting close to getting trapped yourself. We're not there to expose one another, try to help each other because it says in verse two, carry each other's burdens. We need help, y'all. We, I've been hanging out with a lot of Texans. We need help, y'all. I'm cooking a brisket right now. It's on my trigger. Y'all, we need help. I'm turning into a Texan, a very Northern Texan. Here we go. Carry each other's burdens. This is an amazing thing. We're going to just unpack this real quick. And Melody, just hang on for one second. I'll probably just be like a couple minutes and it's going to be good. Thanks for coming out. Isn't Melody great? Okay. All right. Each one of us, if, if anyone thinks, okay, where are we at? Okay, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks that they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Like if you think you would have the ability and you're above any kind of sin, and all I can go to strip clubs and do whatever I want. Good, the earth smoked. Each one of us should test our own actions. They can take pride in themselves alone. So we're talking about carrying each other's burdens and testing our own actions so that we can carry our own load. This is verse five. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction of the word should share all good things with their instruction. Do not be deceived. Verse seven, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And this is the law that governs it all. Whoever sows the pleasures of the flesh, from the flesh they will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. And we want that harvest to be of good things, not bad things. Because we sow bad, we're going to get a bunch of bad seeds. We're going to get a bunch of sin seeds, right, that lead to death. If we sow life and righteousness, we're going to get a bunch of righteousness seeds that lead to life and godliness all around us. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the house of God. Okay, we're going to come back to Thessalonians. So the, the thing that governs all of this about grace, mercy, and sin is the law of sowing and reaping. Lord, lead me in love. And what I reap, I, what I sow, I'm going to harvest. What I sow, I'm going to reap. If I sow sin, I'm going to get it. And I need to learn how to be led by the Holy Spirit who's going to always lead me into righteousness. Can we say that together? The Holy Spirit's always going to lead us into righteousness. He's never going to lead you into sin. The Holy Spirit does not give you a license to sin because he covers us with his mercy. First Thessalonians chapter 4 Verse 11, I have a couple more things to say, and, and they're going to be a little heavy, so gird up your lines. <laughs> okay. Love me when we're done with this, okay? Please. 
Make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands, just as we are instructed before you. And this is the last verse. Then people who are not believers will respect the way you live. Kind of a big deal. And you will not need to depend on others. So we have some things that are here. Help one another out. Carry each other's load. Carry your own load. And don't depend on others. For things you ought to be doing yourself, not not depending on others for anything. Because we need to carry each other's load because there's times when we get stuck. We need each other. So this is a... This is a communication about interdependence, not codependence. Don't be codependent. Don't be totally isolated and completely independent. Be interdependent in the church. And that's, I am fine without you. I can survive and I'm okay. But with you, I interlock and I'm way, way better. That's how the church and how marriages are designed to work. They're designed to work the same way. But if we're leaning on people for things we ought to be doing ourselves, we're actually harming people around us. There's times when we get stuck and we need help up and out. And that's why interdependence is really good. But then we're like, I gotta get back on my feet. I gotta get back on working on my own. And these are practical things. Get a flippin' job. You're a Christian? Get a job. Do not live on the government. You might need it for a little bit. Fine. Awesome. We need that. God, that God provides. The church helps out. All of that is great. You got a job. Sometimes we need help, and there's nothing wrong with getting help from government assistance or help from the church and all of that. But I'm telling you, don't take advantage of those things. Go to work. Young people. Parents, I'm going to talk to parents and young people. I know some of y'all might have got offended at me a few times because I talk about this. Listen, I'm raising six children too, okay? Like, I get it. I have 27, 25, 21, 17, 16, 14, all right? So we have a lot of kids, and they're all over the the map. I got four boys, two girls, right? And and we've been raising these jokers, awesome, amazing humans. And they're, they're fun. They're a huge blessing. And you know what? Those, those kids need to carry their own load. It's an awesome day when your kid turns seven and can tie his own shoes. And he put his own snow coat on and start getting himself ready for bed. You're like, oh, that kid's brushing his teeth. He freed up a lot of my time. Right? And I'm telling you right now, kids, when your par- or, or adults, parents, when your kids gloriously move out of your home, <sighs> When your kids gloriously, in the name of Jesus, move out of your home, you shake off the load. Oh. Big kids are too heavy for you. You know, you know that, that time in between when you got your kid in the car seat? How many of y'all got parents? You're all, a lot of y'all are having babies, right? And you're like, you're carrying your baby when they're little. You're like, this is so fun. You're so cute. Oh, I love my baby. And then he gets fat. I think it's huge. And you're like, but he's in between. You're like, you kind of want him in there because they're a terrorist. And you do it. But you're like, you don't sit down right here. But you can't carry him very long. They're too big of a load. Same when they're on your backpack. You're like, get off my freaking back and walk. Okay. 
adults, Gen Xers in the room, and now upcoming millennials, I'm telling y'all, will you let your kids grow up and carry their own load? Get them out of your little backpack. Let them go out and move on their own. Your kid's 18. Move out. <laughs> Tie your own shoes. Get a job. Struggle. Have cardboard for furniture. Eat top ramen. Do whatever you got to do. Get a pea-stained mattress that's sitting next to the dumpster. Drag it in your house and sleep on it. Carry your own load. Y'all are codependent. Can I tell you that? As a nation, we're a bunch of codependent jokers, okay? And God bless us. We love our kids. And you know what? There's probably more harmony in our relationships than any generation, but we're codependent. We're like, I don't know what it'd be like to live without this big, huge kid in my backpack. Like, get him out of the car seat. Unbuckle that adult. They're an adult. Get him out of the car seat. Dump them out. And they're like, I can walk. We're turning our generation into a bunch of giant guys off a of Wally, right? Have you guys ever seen Wally? When they finally look at all that, they're like these huge people that can't even walk. Then they slide around when the ship goes. They're like, that's the generation we're raising, whom I believe God has called to be dynamic warriors in the kingdom. And we're holding them back because we're not letting them work and carry their own load. Listen, y'all, they can do it. Give them a pink slip. <laughs> Say, I love you. And because I love you, here's your move out date. Give them 30 days. Y'all, 30 days is all they require in Alaska. How many of y'all moved out in 30 days before? You're an adult. Yeah, a lot of us. Guess what? Y'all kids can do it too. And they can figure it out. Praise the Lord. Come on. I told you I was going to say a few things. Load equals pain. Equal, pain equals suffering. Suffering equals character. Character equals maturity. And we need mature believers in the body of Christ. And it's your job and my job to help raise them up. And if we don't allow people to carry their own load, they'll never know how to live without sin. And I know some of y'all, like, I mean, I, I just... People need to learn. You can start playing. You, could, you felt it. I was going to go there. Good job, Melody. She's so good. I'm just going to take a moment. Like, listen, this is the thing is we're not here to judge one another. And I'm trying to judge you. And I'm not going to be the coming over to your house and knock on your door and go look in your closets in your basement to see if your kid's in there with a neck beard playing Xbox. Okay? I'm not going to do that. Because I can check him out online. I'll already know he's in there. He's like, crazy space, throw two, one. I'm like, oh, crazy space, three, two, one. I know where he lives. <laughs> he don't live in my house. I promise you that. My kids are moving out. I tell them when their move out date is. You're 18. Guess what? You graduate. You got till August. You got three months. What are you going to do? Guess what? They're smart. They get it figured out. They're like, I got a plan. Cool, man. What's your plan? How can I help? That's my job. Give them information, instruction, open up doors. Go work at the Heavenly Cup. Huh? Right? Come on, Marcy. Marcy's got it. She's a great business owner right here. You need a job? Go work for Marcy. Go be awesome. There's a lot of businesses, even in our own church, that your kids can go work at. But we, we need a church that carries their own load. Every single one of us 
and that lives in holiness and righteousness and takes it seriously because we live in a time where it's serious and the, the people around us need. We need to be serious about our marriages. Y'all, if you signed up for marriage, you committed to something important to the Lord. Do not, do not treat it as if it's a social club. Do not treat it as if the nature of God and his law doesn't matter. If you're treating your spouse in a way that you wouldn't treat Jesus, you're in sin and you need to make it right. If you're saying things to them that you wouldn't say to Jesus and you wouldn't say to your mama and you wouldn't say to your kids, listen, that's not, the, you're violating the law of love. This is the nature of God and it's time to, for us to make a shift. And I would say shape up, but I'm gonna say shape in or shape out. Because we live by the Spirit, it begins to drive out the nature of the flesh, which doesn't want to carry its own load. It wants to grow a neck beard. Don't grow a neck beard. It looks terrible. Even Abe Lincoln didn't look good in a neck beard. And he wore a really stupid hat so that people wouldn't look at his really stupid beard. Don't grow a neck beard. Grow, sorry, whatever do whatever you want to do. There's way cooler ways to wear your facial hair, okay? <laughs> well, I don't know I'm talking about that, okay? The, rep, the neck beard is a metaphor for not growing up in life. Okay, do you guys get that? Grow up, carry your load, and let the Holy Spirit transform your life to be a man and a woman of God that does this thing that's really important right here. We see it right here in 1 Thessalonians that non-believers will respect. Y'all, the way the church lives right now, I don't think non-believers really respect us as a whole. Because I hear that most people don't want to do business with Christians because they don't keep their word. Are you flipping kidding me? Christians don't keep their word. And you know what Christians want? They want a bargain. Oh, I'm a Christian. I should get a good deal. No, you should pay full price and some because you're walking in abundance. And when you give your word, you should freaking keep it. I gotta be careful. I want the old man to come out. I did grow up in the oil field, okay? So like fishing sites and oil field. That guy, deny the flesh, I stay in the spirit, right? Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at unitechurchak.org. We hope to see you soon.